it's time to sit back and relax with your favorite drink and listen. My name is Joshua Allen and I've made a horrible mistake. For years I had a secret obsession that I hid from pretty much everyone. Now, I know this is going to sound insane, but I was completely mystified by the idea of creating a homunculus. I know a lot of you have probably seen the YouTube videos of some loser using a chicken egg, but those are all fake. There was this one Russian guy who may or may not have done it right, but he ended up dead, so who knows. Anyway, I started doing some research, and I came up with the Book of the Crow. Now, the actual text is an undated work written by Plato. <laughs> There's no way I could get my hands on the original, but I was able to locate a first edition, handwritten, translated in Greek. It took months to find a legitimate seller on the dark web. Well, before I go any further, I just want to say the deep web isn't as bad as some people make it out to be. It's just like anything else in life. If you go looking for horrible shit, well, you find horrible shit. Now I say this because in order to get most of the materials I needed, I had to spend a lot of time there. And for the most part, I never saw anything I didn't want to see. Don't get me wrong, there are some really dark places to be found, but for the most part it's just an open market. It's up to you where you shop. Once I had the book, it took about a week or two to have it translated. What I ended up with was a list of items, ingredients and very specific instructions on how to complete the task. What I'm about to share with you are all of the actual items I used. Now I did have to go to some really dark places and meet with some truly sketchy individuals to get this stuff. But, here it is. The Magician's My Semen The Sunstone Elixir Human or Animal Blood One and a half gallons A cow or a ewe of breeding age Sulfur A large magnet Green tuita A sulfate of iron a large glass or lead containment space. Well, I went with glass because lead's way too expensive. Now, in this little segment I'm going to leave out some very important details because one of these things is enough to be too many. Uh, next you'll need the proper amount of sunstone elixir to be mixed with the semen, being sure to keep it at a precise temperature until thoroughly combined. As soon as that's complete, inseminate the host. In this case, a cow. Don't ask. Lastly, you seal the womb using a paste made from the elixir, blood, sulfur, and green tuita. All that's left now is the incubation period. Once this period is over, and the homunculus is born, after a while it forms its skin. From the second its skin is complete, the creature will be ravenous. The flesh of the host body will feed it for the first seven days. After that, it must be contained. At this point, the creature is nothing but a fleshy blob of muscle covered with dark veins stretching over its entire body. Its skin secretes an oily substance that reeks of extremely strong urine with a heavy coppery tinge to it. Oof, 
The smell is so strong that it burns your eyes and stains your skin. In the beginning, the homunculus will attempt to take on the form of its food, simply because that's the only thing it's had physical contact with. Keep this in mind during feedings. Avoid letting it touch your skin until you're sure you want to continue. Now, the size of the homunculus directly relates to the size of the host. Now, homunculus literally means a little human. Most people misunderstand this statement and believe homunculus to be small creatures. Well, this couldn't be further from the truth. The statement actually refers to the fact that the creature has a little human DNA, therefore making it a little human. The first time I fed it was intense. I didn't really know what to expect. Its first meal was a raccoon that I caught using some traps I put out by the trash cans. The second I dropped the raccoon into the containment space, it went on the attack. It arched its back and hissed before lashing out at the homunculus, striking it, then jumping back and preparing for another attack. And then, something happened. The raccoon froze as if someone had pressed the pause button, stuck in mid-hiss. Drool started pouring out of its mouth and its body began to twitch rapidly before it fell over on its side stiff as a board. That's when I saw it move for the first time. It oozed slowly towards the raccoon. I honestly thought it was dead until the homunculus made contact. Well, the raccoon screamed and went into convulsions as the creature slowly covered it. That horrible odor intensified. Oh, it was overpowering. My eyes burned and my tongue went numb. Bile rushed at the back of my throat, forcing me to swallow hard to keep myself from vomiting. A wet, crunching sound sent chills through my body, and my legs started to cramp up. I turned to walk out of the room and collapsed. My vision got blurry, it took everything in me to crawl for the door, and once I made it out into the hallway, I slammed the door shut and puked my guts out before everything went black. I didn't go back into the room for two weeks. In the back of my mind, I hoped the damn thing was dead. And when I opened the door, for a second, I thought it was. The air was thick with the smell of rotted flesh mixed with that horrid, coppery stench. The creature was shriveled and grey. I almost smiled at the idea of that thing being dead. And then, I stepped into the room. The second the door shut behind me, the homunculus slammed against the glass and released a mist into the air. My body instantly seized and I vomited as I dropped to the floor. The pain was unbelievable. My head was spinning and my vision went blurry. I could hear the creature slamming against the glass as I passed out. I'm not sure how long I was unconscious, but when I came to, the homunculus was close to shattering the glass. I tried to crawl, but... Every movement was a struggle, and dragging through a pool of my own pew didn't make it any better. I dragged myself across the floor, and as I made it to the door, I heard the glass shatter, followed by the meaty thud of the creature landing on the ground. I didn't look back. I crawled into the hallway and slammed the door just as the homunculus slammed into it. I sat there for a few seconds trying to compose myself when I heard a low hissing sound coming from inside the room. 
The hallway slowly started filling with that putrid, coppery stench. I didn't know what to do. The book didn't say anything about situations like this. I did the only thing I could. I ran. I scrambled to my feet and bolted for the front door, grabbing my car keys on the way. The cool night air rushed into my lungs the second I was out of the house. Still feeling lightheaded, I sprinted for the car and got in as fast as I could. But that gas must have been stronger than I'd realized, because the next thing I know, it's morning. And I'm still in my driveway, slumped over the steering wheel. The idea of going back in my house horrified me. I was working up the nerve to go back inside. But when I finally did, the homunculus was gone. That evening, the Stuarts' ten-year-old daughter Eliza went missing. The Stuarts live on my street, three houses down from me. Eliza was out walking the dog along the bayou that runs behind the neighborhood when she vanished. The police recovered her torn, bloody clothes a few miles downstream, but her body was never found. Two days later, the Taylor family went missing. Ed and Irene Taylor, along with their newborn twins, had vanished from their home on a Tuesday evening. According to police reports, some form of toxic gas was used during the alleged kidnapping. There was blood and signs of a struggle, but once again no bodies were found at the scene. According to the news, several officers were rushed to the hospital. After entering the home, officers were taken ill and began to vomit before passing out. Five days had passed, and the town was now buzzing. Well, you have to understand, Eidelberg is a small town. There's maybe 2,000 people living here, and nothing like this had ever happened before. People were starting to get really nervous. The idea of some freak running around town gassing folks in their homes had everyone on edge. Then Officer Raymond Harris went missing. His bloody uniform and patrol car were found at a rest stop just off Highway 16. Well, the news hit town like a bomb. There were town hall meetings and neighborhood watch parties. If people weren't freaking out before, they were unhinged now. The tension in town was palatable. People didn't stop their lives, but you could tell things were different now. Everyone was scared. After seven days of endless conversations about the murders and annoying citizen patrols, two more people went missing. Not just any people, though. Janice and Frank Stewart, Eliza's parents. The homunculus had doubled back, and this could mean only one thing. It was hunting. The creature has a pattern. It doesn't just kill. It erases bloodlines. Once it finds food it likes, it will hunt that line until it's all gone. At this stage, it will have chosen a suitable host form. Well, this also meant that I knew where it would be going next. It took the whole Taylor family at once, so there's no reason to go back there. So it was going after the Harris family next. Now, before I go any further, I need you to understand I'm not chasing this thing to save the day and be the hero. Hell no. I need to get within eyesight of the thing in order to initiate the blood bond. Because the creature comes from my DNA, that means we're bonded for life. And this bond allows me to give the homunculus direction, if it works. Finding the Harris house really wasn't as hard as I thought it would be. 
They lived on the north side of town in an upscale subdivision. I actually just googled their address and I was there in 30 minutes. I got there close to midnight. The streets were quiet and empty. I sat there for two hours, halfway hoping nothing would happen. And then it did. I just stepped out to take a piss and while I was standing there a cool breeze drifted through the trees, bringing with it an all too familiar odour that instantly made me wretch. My heart jumped up into my throat, screams cut through the silence and gunfire erupted from somewhere inside the Harris house. I zipped up, narrowly avoiding disaster, and then ran for the house. More screams and more gunshots echoed through the night as I closed the distance. It felt surreal. I was so close. The second I stepped on the front porch, my lungs were assaulted, my legs instantly buckled, and I dropped to my knees. My eyes rolled back and my tongue went numb just before I puked and fell over on my side. As my vision slowly faded to black, I could hear only two sounds. The wet cracking of bones breaking through flesh, and police sirens somewhere off in the distance. I woke up in handcuffs, being checked out by paramedics. The minute they said I was okay, I was arrested. Now, obviously, I didn't tell them the real reason I was there. I told them my girlfriend had just broken up with me, and I was out for a drive to clear my head. I'd stopped to take a piss, and that's when I heard the gunshots. I ran over to see if anyone was hurt, and that's when I got sick and passed out. Well, it took a while, but finally they believed me, and eventually release me. I found out later the entire Harris family had gone missing. Both grandparents, the son, the brother-in-law, and the widow, all missing and believed dead. The body count was now 13, and the police had nothing. The whole town was going apeshit. People didn't feel safe in their own homes, so they started doing lock-ins. For those of you who aren't familiar with lock-ins, it's basically just a giant sleepover and everyone's invited. It's a horrible idea if you ask me, but community unity seems to make people feel better, so more power to them, but I won't be there. With the streets being empty most nights, it was easy for me to drive around looking for anywhere the creature might be held up, but I wasn't finding anything. I was just about to wrap it up for the night, decided to grab a cold six-pack and a fresh box of smokes. I was walking back to my car when somebody blindsided me. We both slammed into the side of my car and then crashed to the ground. What the fuck is wrong with... I stopped. It was Alison, my ex-girlfriend. Her clothes were torn and covered in blood. She was crying and frantically looking around. Oh my god, Joss, you have to help me. There's something chasing me. Please, you have to get me out of here. She was stumbling through her words. Seeing her so horrified almost made me smile a little, but well, I fought the urge and got up off the ground, helping her up as I got to my feet. What's going on, Ali? Who's chasing you? Well, she didn't really give me an answer until we were driving away. Thomas and I were going to the lock-in when we caught a flat. We were on the side of the road when Thomas was changing the tire when it happened. First, there was this smell that made me sick. When I went to check on him, he was passed out. Well, next thing I know, something rushed us and grabbed him. She paused as the tears started rolling down her face. 
I tried to grab his arm. I tried to save him. Alison broke down. She couldn't even finish her sentence. Deep inside, I was grinning ear to ear. Thomas was my former best friend, and the reason Alison had left me... Well, hearing he was dead warmed my heart. Well, by the time we made it to my house, Ali was a blubbering mess. I got her inside and called the police. Once the cops arrived and took Alison's statement, things took a turn for the worse. One of the officers recognized me from the Harris incident and pulled me aside. His demeanor changed from concerned to angry almost instantly. Why are you involved in another one of these crime scenes, Mr. Allen? Well, I screwed up and said the first thing that popped into my head. I'm not. I was minding my own business on my way home when I ran into Allison. She asked me for help, and here we are. This has nothing to do with me. I guess the officer didn't like my response, because he got angry. Listen, this is serious. Fourteen people are missing, and you seem to keep showing up. If I find out you're the one behind all this, I'm personally going to put you away. Well, I instantly responded. In hindsight, I probably should have kept my mouth shut. But what's your problem? I was just trying to help, and now you're accusing me of, what, murder? What suck? Then the fucker throat punched me and dropped me to the ground before I could finish talking. The officer glared down at me and grumbled. See you soon, Mr. Allen and then kicked me before walking away. Once I got myself together and went inside, I found Alison sitting at my kitchen table, nursing a cup of Johnny Walker Blue and taking nervous drags off one of my cigarettes. I paused in disbelief. I was a little pissed that she'd opened my bottle, but given the circumstances, I gave her a pass and joined her for a drink. I poured a nice cup before taking a long sip, draining the glass about halfway and then took a seat. Alison, I need you to tell me what you saw out there. Anything you can remember might help. Ali took another long drag off her cigarettes and looked at me with tears streaming down her face. I'm not crazy, Josh. I know what I saw. That thing was horrible. It looked like a bear with no hair. Only it was way too big, and that smell, oh, good God, that smell. Just thinking about it makes me want to throw up. We sat there talking for a while, before I got her a blanket and a pillow and let her crash on my couch. I stumbled off to bed, buzzing and still a little angry about the throat punch, but I was out cold in no time. I woke up a few hours later to the sound of glass breaking. Half asleep, I stumbled out into the living room to see my back door was wide open and Alison was gone. I called her name out, but there was no response. There was broken glass on the kitchen floor and the faint lingering odor of copper and urine. I rushed over to the back door and spotted her standing in the corner of my yard, facing the tree line, talking to herself. Alison, what are you doing? I think you should come back inside. Alison slowly turned to face me, half lying and crying at the same time. It's him. It's Thomas. He's alive. I can't believe it. He's alive. I glanced over her shoulder, but I didn't see anyone. Alice and I think you should come back inside. 
I stepped out into the yard and slowly approached her, reaching out to grab her hand, but she stepped back and started laughing. Don't you understand? He's alive. Thomas is alive. I took one step closer before she turned and bolted off into the woods, laughing. I chased her, struggling to keep sight of her in the dense woods, and she eventually lost me. I ran for a while longer before I was blindsided and sent flying through the air, slamming into a tree before crashing to the ground. A low growl rumbled through the darkness around me. I could hear something moving, stalking me from the shadows as I rolled over and sat up. A low hissing sound made me wince as that coppery stench filled my lungs and my body seized up. I vomited in my lap as Allison stepped out of the shadows. Her skin was slick with sweat, and an inhumanly wide smile was stretched across her face. She walked over to me and knelt down, running her fingers through my hair. I'm saving you for last. Her voice became distorted as she spoke to me. Her body began to spasm uncontrollably. She stood and stepped back. I sat there frozen, watching in horror as she, or should I say it, reached up and tore off her lower jaw, leaving a gaping hole. His tongue flopped around wildly, spattering blood as it slapped against her chest. Clouds of mist wafted into the air from the creature's body as it roared. Allison dropped to her hands and knees as her bones started snapping, shifting beneath her skin. Huge clumps of flesh began to slough off, splattering on the ground as what remained of her skull expanded and split, revealing jagged, sharp teeth. His face now resembled a Venus flytrap made of flesh and bone. The creature slurped up the slurry of melted flesh and hair before turning its attention to me for just a second before it ran off into the darkness laughing. I laid there for hours until the gas wore off. By then the sun was peeping through the trees, warming my face as the cool morning air slowly cleared the fog from my brain. When I was finally able to stand and walk home, I staggered out of the woods to find my house overrun by police officers. I was arrested and probably would have been charged for murder if it wasn't for my neighbour, Mr. Murphy, telling the cops he saw Thomas Gentry trashing my house before stealing my car. Even though I wasn't charged with anything, I was held at the police station for the next two weeks on unrelated warrants and eventually released. I'm saving you for love. I woke up screaming. It's been two months since the homunculus escaped. Twenty-seven people are missing. I've tried my best to get help, but that's kind of hard to do without incriminating myself. Everyday life has become a paranoid scramble for safety, and up until now I've avoided getting swept up in the insanity. Then I got invited to a lock-in. Now, on any other day I would have declined, but the woman who invited me was incredibly hot. <laughs> How could I say no? Now I know there's other things I should be doing, but you've got to cut me some slack here. It's been a while. In any case, she ditched me 30 minutes after I got there, and I spent the rest of the night camped out on top of the bleachers. It was around 2 in the morning, and I was watching a movie on my laptop. Everyone in the room was pretty much asleep. We were all camped out in the gym of the local high school. For hours sitting, I could see the whole room. A young girl was running through the room, weaving between the cots of sleeping people that lined the floor. 
She didn't seem to be bothering anyone, but it was kind of odd that someone her age wasn't being looked after. I watched her playing for a few seconds when she suddenly stopped and slowly turned to face me. The second I saw her face, I recognized her. It was Eliza Stewart. My blood ran cold. I watched as she raised a finger to her lips and shushed me. A hideous, toothy smile stretched across her face. Her shoulders slumped forward and her body started to tremble, but she never took her eyes off me. And that's when the smell hit me and I realized what I'd been doing. The homunculus had just gassed the entire room. Now it was feeding time. My body seized, forcing me to watch as a chorus of screams erupted from the crowd, followed by the sound of everyone puking their guts out. Eliza, or should I say the thing, pretending to be her, was tearing out handfuls of his hair, leaving bald, bloody patches of exposed flesh. His clothes began to shred away as his body expanded. There was a loud, wet pop as the skin ripped and the bone splintered before it exploded. A foul red mist saturated everyone laying around her and started smoking as soon as it wet their skin. Tears ran down my face as I watched a room full of men, women, and children die, their bodies melting into a slurry of blood, bones, and vomit coating the gymnasium floor. As horrible as it was, I realized I'd just witnessed replication. Oh, the homunculus doesn't reproduce, it can't. Instead, it replicates. Once the creature reaches a certain size, it splits, creating multiple bodies that function on one mind. It'll continue to do this as long as it has a food source. Before I could fully process what I'd just seen, something big slammed into the double doors that led into the gym. The doors held up to the first hit, but the second one did the trick. The doors came off the hinges, slamming to the floor as the homunculus came rushing in. It had doubled in sight since I last saw it, and it instantly scooped up a mouthful of the putrid sludge that was coating the floor, bones and all, and then began chewing. It turned its attention to me with chunks of flesh and sheets of skin dropping from its teeth. I swear it smiled at me before tearing off its own arm and tossing it up into the bleachers a few feet from where I was sitting. I watched horrified and amazed as the dismembered arm lost its shape, reverting to its original blob state before starting to violently spasm and release another cloud of that rancid-smelling gas. It twitched and contorted rapidly, taking a human form right in front of me. Within minutes, Ali's naked form sat up and smiled at me. I wanted to scream. I wanted to run. I wanted to be anywhere but there, but I was paralyzed. Ali tilted her head back and screamed before rushing up to me, stopping just inches away from my face. We were eye to eye now. Oh, it would have been amazing if it weren't so utterly terrifying. It was her down to the tiny freckles across the bridge of her nose, an exact replica. In the background, the sound of that thing crunching and slurping its meal off the gymnasium floor filled the air. God, it was all I could hear, but she was all I could see. She leaned in close and whispered to me, It's not your turn. And everything went black. I woke up in the woods behind my house just before dawn, the sound of police sirens echoing through the trees, bringing me back to reality. 
I lay there, staring up at the sky, my clothes wet and heavy with blood, the horrible stink of that thing in the air, and all I could do was smile. I got up off the ground and walked back to my home. By the time I got there and cleaned myself up, the streets were alive with police and emergency vehicles. I put on a pot of coffee and stepped out onto the front porch. After what I'd just seen, there was no way I was staying put. I went back inside, poured a cup of coffee, and then started packing a couple of bags. I got online, rented a car, then called a cab to get me to the Avis on the other side of town. It was still early when I got there, so it wasn't open. There was a 24-hour diner across the street. I stopped there and grabbed a bite to eat. Bacon, eggs, and toast with a double stack of pancakes and another cup of coffee. I was halfway through my breakfast when I heard some tapping on the window behind me. I turned around to see an old man I didn't recognize staring at me. A strange grin on his face as his tapping turned to banging his fist against the glass and screaming, Saving you for last. Over and over, getting louder each time. The waitress called out to the cook. Dale... One of those homeless guys is here banging on the glass. A short older guy came charging out of the kitchen, clutching an aluminum bat and cursing as he made his way towards the front door. Just as he stepped out onto the sidewalk, the old man stopped banging on the glass and ran away laughing. Dale stepped back inside with a proud smile and announced, Sorry about that, folks. Enjoy the rest of your breakfast. Coffee's on me then swaggered his way back to the kitchen as if giving away three cups of watered-down coffee made him the man. On the other hand, I felt sick to my stomach. The homunculus knew I was here. That meant it had been watching me. Well, I lost my appetite with that thought, dropped ten bucks on the table and walked out without finishing my food. Walked across the street to the rental office. The second I stepped inside, I knew I was in trouble. That odour washed over me, making me nauseous and flooding my brain with images from the school. I heard a gurgled plea for help coming from somewhere in the building. Help me! Someone please help me! A man's voice called out in pain. I slowly made my way towards the voice. The closer I got, I started hearing a wet, crunching sound. As I made my way down the hall, I noticed blood smeared on the walls. The cries for help turned to gurgling gasps for air as I opened the door to see nothing. The room was empty. I stood there for a few seconds trying to figure out what the hell was going on when the chimes from the front door jingled. I turned around to see the hallway clean. The blood was gone and the air was fresh. I took a deep breath, put my head down and started rubbing my eyes. The service agent clicked on the hallway light was startled to see me standing there, but it all worked out. Well, long story short, I picked up my rental car and hit the road. I was about 40 or 50 miles outside the city limits when the pain hit me like a bolt of lightning to the brain, and it didn't stop until I pulled off the road. Each time I tried to drive, the pain would come back ten times worse. After three or four tries, I couldn't take the pain anymore, The homunculus and I are bound, and, well, I can't leave it, and it can't leave me. So I sat on the side of that highway for a long time before I turned the car around and drove back into town. I drove around for a while until I came to the high school. The place was crawling with media and police. I wanted to stay as far from that scene as possible, 
so I kept driving. When I pulled up at my house, my next-door neighbour, Mr Murphy, was in front of his lawn, raking leaves. As soon as I stepped out of the car, he waved hello and walked over. Have you heard what happened at the school? He sounded almost happy about it. Oh, it's horrible, just horrible. All those poor people gone and nobody saw a thing. I shook my head and laughed a little. Well, Mr Murphy, at least we're still here, right? I turned and walked towards the house. As I got closer to my door, I heard Mr Murphy say, Have a nice evening. I swear, for a second, it sounded like his voice distorted. But when I turned to look at him, he was gone. There was no one around. I stepped back away from my door and into the yard to see if maybe he'd walked off, but it was as if he was never there. Leaves still littered the yard, rustling in the breeze. I rubbed my eyes and then quickly went inside. As soon as I dropped my bags and went to the kitchen, my phone rang. I didn't answer it. Instead, I grabbed a beer out of the fridge, turned on the television and sat on the couch watching the news till I dozed off. It was the first real sleep I'd had in months and it felt great. Right up until someone started banging at my front door. Oh, who is it? I shouted. I was still half asleep. There was no response. Getting up off the couch, I made my way to the door and... As I did, the knocking stopped. I asked again, and still no response. Pausing for a second, I had to laugh. You've got to be kidding. You're going to have to do better. There was a pause, then another knock, and I heard a familiar voice. What? Hey, open the door. It's Adam. I'm here looking for Thomas. Adam is Thomas's younger brother. Decent guy, I guess. I mean, I've never had a problem with him. I opened up to see him looking over his shoulder and acting kind of jumpy. What's up, Josh? I know you guys aren't exactly tight right now, but have you heard from TJ lately? Shaking my head, I invited him in. No, I haven't heard from him, but I did run into Ali and he wasn't with her, so maybe you should check his place. We talked for a while longer, and then he eventually hit the road. The second my front door slammed shut, I turned and saw a shadowy figure rush through my living room. While I reached for my pocket to grab the car keys, I realized the keys were on the kitchen table. Shit. Taking a deep breath, I headed that way. I was going to grab the keys and get the hell out of there, but, well, it didn't work out that way. The second I stepped in the kitchen, that low hissing sound filled the air. Grabbing the keys and turning to leave, something grabbed me threw me across the room. I slammed into the wall and landed on the floor, gasping for air. That smell of copper and urine making me wretch. My tongue went numb and my eyes burned as a low, rumbling growl took over the room. I fought the urge to vomit and tried with all my might to get up, but my body wouldn't budge. The growl slowly became laughter as a familiar frame came into view and as soon as I saw it, I knew who it was. Thomas fucking Gentry. Of all the people to imitate, the homunculus had chosen him. It stood there looking down at me for a few seconds, then tilted its head back and sniffed the air before finally speaking. You can't run from me, Josh. It knelt down, getting closer to me. Leaning in close, it licked the side of my face, and its saliva burned my skin. His eyes rolled back in its head and drool poured from its mouth as his body began to shake uncontrollably. The homunculus 
backed away from me, clawing at its own face, ripping out fistfuls of flesh, screaming as it bolted away, crashing through my back door and running off into the woods. Once the gas had worn off, I grabbed my gun and followed the creature's tracks into the woods. After an hour, the trail went cold and the sun had set. The woods were dark and silent. Now, I've lived here my entire life and been in these woods a million times. And the woods are never silent. Something was wrong. I stood there for a few seconds, letting my eyes adjust to the darkness and trying to figure out which direction the homunculus had taken off in when the sound of a baby crying broke through the silence. There was no way I was falling for that one, so I tried to ignore it and started walking. But the further I went, the more the sound seemed to multiply. Then, just as suddenly as it had started, it stopped. The sound of something small skittering through the leaves caught my attention. I looked around, trying to spot whatever it was, and then I saw it. A baby's face peeping around a tree, looking at me. It opened its mouth and let out a cry, that same one I'd heard before. I backed away slowly as it leaped from behind the tree, and it walked on all fours. Its hideous, deformed body was covered in what looked like quills. It screamed again. Its body quivered and its skin split, revealing that fly-trap-like skull underneath. I shot the damn thing and it exploded, sending quills flying in every direction. The quills ripped through my clothes and punctured my flesh, sending a burning sensation through my body instantly. I ripped out a handful of them and screamed, Fuck! I, as I did, dozens of eyes lit the darkness around me. I fired a few more shots and then ran. My legs were going numb and it was getting hard to breathe. I could hear them chasing me, crying out in the dark. I stumbled and fell as they closed in on me. I rolled over and shot two more of them, just like before they exploded, launching more quills, tearing into my flesh. I gasped for air and my vision went blurry and then everything stopped. A low, heavy growl filled the air. That horrible stench wafted in on the breeze as it got closer. My hands were trembling and my vision was blurred. I'd have to let it get close before I could take a shot, one that I didn't want to miss. As the homunculus came into view, those horrible little things climbed onto its back, dissolving into it with a gut-churning, squelching sound. The homunculus let out a roar that shook the ground beneath me, and then spoke. Set me free. It was standing directly over me, rearing back and preparing to take its first bite. Oh, it took everything in me to raise the gun and fire. Its head snapped back and it slumped down on top of me, reverting to its blob state, pinning me to the ground, smothering me. Oh, I couldn't breathe, I couldn't move. My vision faded to black, then silence. Clear. Electricity surged through my body. My eyes shot open, and I took in all the air my lungs could handle. My body was broken and bloody, but I was alive. Paramedics and police were everywhere. Apparently someone saw me run into the woods carrying a gun and called the police. Where is it? Where is it? I asked frantically as they loaded me onto a stretcher and carried me out to the woods. They thought I'd been mauled by either a bear or a mountain lion, but I'd been found alone. 
I was in the hospital for two days before I got my first visitor. A tall, bald guy with a scar that ran down the side of his face, from his forehead to his chin. He walked in and stood next to my bed for a second, before he spoke to me in a distorted, familiar tone. Saving you for last. He smiled a wicked smile, then turned and walked out of the room, laughing. This is Casey Monroe reporting for Channel 3 News. We're here live at Harold Wilson High School, the scene of what's been called one of the most horrific crimes in recent history. 43 people were murdered in the building behind me, and according to police, this could be connected to a string of disappearances in the area. We'll keep you informed as the information comes in. Our hearts go out to the good people of Idleburg. Back to you, Tom. I'd been in the hospital for two weeks and the homunculus hadn't come back. The whole town was going crazy after what had happened at the school. The state police had been called in along with every news station for miles. The town was flooded with people from all over. In a bizarre sort of way, this was probably the best thing to ever happen to this shitty little town. All this death brought new life to Idleburg. Every business in town was turning a profit literally bathing in the blood of its fallen brothers and sisters. He had another reason to hate this town and everyone in it. My head had been killing me for the last two days, and I didn't make the connection till I realized no one else had gone missing since the high school. The homunculus was moving away from town. But that didn't make sense. The creature wouldn't leave an active food source unless it was compelled to. Something was drawing the homunculus out. I snuck out of the hospital that night and walked home. When I got there, I loaded up the rental car and started driving until my head stopped hurting. The first place I came to was a truck stop about 60 miles outside of town. The place was busy, so I doubted the creature would be there, but my head wasn't hurting. It had to be close by. I pulled up, parked the car, and went inside. I ordered a burger and fries with a Coke to go, then went outside for a smoke. Stood there for a while, watching the traffic roll by. Took a long drag off my cigarette, thumped it out, and then turned to go back inside. Everything changed the second I stepped through that door. The air was stale and the room was covered in dust. The lights flickered. It looked like no one had been in there for years, but this place was packed. Shaking my head, I backed out slowly. Once I was back outside the building... Shaking my head, I backed out slowly. Once I was back outside the building, it changed to a dilapidated shell. The neon signs now sun-bleached, broken and scattered around the empty parking lot. Well, I rushed to my car. I was almost at the door when the sound of wet feet slapping the concrete behind me made me turn around. No one was there. I backed up until I bumped into the car. Popping the lock, I hopped in and peeled out of that lot as fast as humanly possible. I drove a few miles up the highway till I found a flea bag motel and got a room for the night. Oh, it took forever to fall asleep, but when I did, it didn't last long. A loud boom shook the room and startled me out of my sleep. I sat straight up in the bed looking around for a few seconds until I heard someone running, followed by another boom, as whoever it was slammed into the door of my room again. I grabbed my gun and rushed to get a look. I made it to the window just in time to see a bloody, skinless man-thing slam into my door and explode, sending a wave of blood splattering across the window. 
They kept coming one at a time, until the door finally gave way and they came spilling in. I fired off a full clip. Every time I shot one of those things, they exploded, splaying the room with a black, viscous liquid that reeked of rotting flesh. And when my gun went empty, I used it to club the shit out of a few of them before they overran me. I struggled. I fought until I couldn't fight anymore. But there was nothing I could do. They pinned me to the ground and started to regurgitate a flesh-coloured fluid all onto me. When they were done, they let out a simultaneous roar and then fell over dead. Now I say dead because the second they hit the floor, they started dissolving into a shit-coloured nightmare. So yeah, I'd say they were dead. But while all this was going on, the puke that had me pinned to the floor was getting heavier and starting to move. The instant it oozed off me, I sat up gasping for air, and the second I did, that fucking thing let off a cloud of gas that I took deep into my lungs. I backed up, gagging, still gasping for air. Every muscle in my body burned, then locked up. I was forced to watch the homunculus cannibalize its replicas, then take form. But it wasn't complete. It had no hair. Its skin was thin and pale. It was literally weeping that oily secretion to the point it looked wet. It had no facial features, just eyes and a mouth. It started laughing as its skin turned grey and began to shrivel away. A pain shot through my brain as that thing dried up and went silent. All of these replicas were weak. They had to combine just to convey a single thought that meant the source body was getting further away. And this was a distraction. The homunculus needed me to stay put while it made its escape. I tracked that thing for two weeks straight after that. I ended up in Missouri in a little town called Holt Summit. Got into town late one night. I was exhausted so I pulled off the road into a U-Haul lot on Summit Drive. Tried to get some rest having the best dream ever, only to have it disturbed by the unmistakable sound of a police flashlight tapping against my window. Is everything okay there, sir? The officer asked while shining his light around in the car. Wiping the sleep from my eyes and taking a deep breath, I responded. Yeah, everything's okay, officer. I'm just tired after being on the road a while. He looked around the car for a few seconds and asked for my license and went back to his cruiser. After a few minutes, he came back and handed me my license. Okay, sir, there are a few hotels on 54, he said, pointing back over his shoulder. I suggest you find one of them and get off my streets. He then handed me my license and walked away. To be honest, I was avoiding hotels after what had happened last time, but a hot shower, soft bed, well, didn't sound half bad. Nothing happened that night, to be honest. Nothing happened for the next couple of days, but... That gave me time to reach out to some of the contacts I'd made, gathering supplies off the dark web. I contacted the guy who'd sold me the Stone Sun Elixir. Now, I'm not going to lie, this guy creeps me out. He's not an overly imposing figure. He's actually a short middle-aged guy with a shaved head. But there's something about him that makes your skin crawl when you talk to him. The only real strange thing about him is that he insists on being called Hermes. Long story short... Hermes agreed to meet me at Lake Mikey the next day. When I pulled up, he was already there. The strange thing was, there were no other cars in the lot, and I didn't recall passing any cars on the way in. I parked the car and got out. 
The entire time, Hermes keeping his back to me as he looked out over the lake. He didn't react to me being there until I got a few feet away from him, and even then he didn't turn around. He just spoke. Hello, Mr. Allen. Nice meeting you again, he hissed, still not turning to face me. Yeah, um, whatever. Can we get this over with? I have a bitch of a headache and I just want to get back to my room. He chuckled and finally turned to look at me. That blood bond is a raw deal, isn't it? <laughs> he chuckled again, and I played dumb. I don't know what you're talking about. Can I please get what I came for? He paused and looked at me, then handed me a one-liter flask filled with sunstone elixir. Happy hunting, Mr. Allen. I handed him the money and walked away. He stood there watching me the whole way to the car, with that strange little smirk stretched across his face. I swear I could still see him watching me through the rear view as I drove away. Well, I needed a plan. I knew from the beginning a gun couldn't kill the homunculus, but I needed to know if I could hurt it. And I did. When I chased it into the woods, my plan was to get it back under control. But I wasn't prepared for the replicas. Well, in the end, I had to shoot it to save my own life. Still, it taught me something. In the Book of the Crow... It said leg could be used to stop or capture it, but it didn't give the specifics of how. Just a reference to another book. Tabula Smaragdina, the Emerald Tablet. But I, well, didn't have time. I needed a solution. I drove around town brainstorming for a while, until I got hungry and pulled into the first place I saw. It was a little cafe called Cameron's. It seemed good enough for me. I went in got a table, and ordered chicken fried steak. Finished my meal, paid the bill, then went outside to get in my car. When I got there, there's some greasy-ass goth chick sitting on the hood, lighting up a blunt. Hey, what the fuck are you doing? Get off my car. She looked at me, hit the blunt, and stayed put. It's not really your car, now is it, Josh? She let out a cloud of smoke and hopped down. I stepped back and looked around. She chuckled and shook her head. See you round, Mr. Allen. Then she hit the blunt again and walked past me. Something about her tone of voice pissed me off. Not to mention that she knew my name. I turned around in time to see the greasy little skank walk into an alley next to the cafe. I went after her. She couldn't have been more than a few steps ahead of me, but I swear when I got to the alley, she was already at the other end of it, facing me. Now, I may not be the fastest person in the world, but there's no way in hell she could have got that far that fast. She stood there just long enough for me to see her, then she walked away. When I thought about chasing her, I really did. For a whole five seconds, I thought about it. Then I went to my car and drove back to the motel. When I got back to my room, I made a few phone calls, then practiced drawing transmutation circles for a while. Four hours and fifty sheets of paper later, I gave up, then downed a fifth of scotch and went to sleep. When I woke up, the sun had gone down. I got up and went outside for some fresh air. The second I stepped out the door, the, the faint aroma of urine and copper floated in on the breeze. I stood there, scanning the area, trying to pinpoint where it could be coming from, but there was no one around. The breeze came in from my left, so I went back in my room, grabbed the sunstone elixir, and my gun, and headed out. 
walked around for a while, not really sure where I was going or who I was looking for, until I came to a gas station. I think the place was called Quick Run, but I'm not sure. In any case, it isn't important. Stopped there to grab some smokes and a bottle of water. When I got inside, the guy at the register pretty much ignored me till I got to the counter. And he put his phone down and looked at me like I'd just ruined his night. Then asked, will there be anything else? I looked at his name tag. Chuck. It took everything in me not to reach out and grab him by the hair and bounce his skull off the countertop a few times. But instead, I took a deep breath and chuckled to myself. <sighs> Give me a pack of Marlboro Black 100s, Chuck. He shot me a hateful look, then turned to get my smokes. As he did, the lights went out and something slammed into the window on the other side of the store, making a wet screeching sound as it was dragged across the glass. Chuck nearly jumped out of his skin. What the fuck? Another boom echoed through the store as something hit the glass closer to the register. There at the window was an old woman. She was covered in dirt and grime. Her hair was a greasy grey tangle of God knows what. and She was banging on the window with both hands, smearing what looked like shit on the glass the whole while, staring at us and smiling. She let out a scream and started to beat her head against the glass. Lock the door! Lock the door! Chuck yelled out. I rushed to the door and clicked the locks just as the old woman got there. We were face to face. The only thing between us was the shatterproof glass. She pounded on it frantically, screaming for a few seconds before she started slamming her head against it again. This time she kept it up until the skin on her face split and she started bleeding. Holy shit! This bitch is crazy! Chuck grabbed his phone and started frantically calling the police. The old lady stopped, streams of blood now pouring from the gash in her forehead. That horrible smile was somehow growing wider, the corners of her mouth now splitting, peeling away, revealing more teeth and loud wet pops that could be heard as her jaws unhinged and her mouth opened unnaturally wide. She brought up her filth-covered arm and then reached into her own mouth. Her body convulsed, gagging on her arm as she pulled out a fleshy balloon about the size of a football and raised it over her head. She let out a scream and squeezed it until it popped, releasing a wave of black fluid that instantly began melting her skin away. Huge clumps of melting flesh began splattering at her feet as she dissolved into a pool that was starting to move. It oozed through the cracks of the door, bringing with that all too familiar stench of copper and urine. I pulled my shirt up over my nose and ran for the back of the store. Chuck was standing there, petrified, body trembling, tears running down his face. I yelled to him, but it was too late. The gas had hit him. He screamed as every muscle in his body seized, then vomited before crumbling to the floor, twitching. An almost insane-sounding laughter bounced off the walls as the homunculus let off wave after wave of that rancid gas. The next sound I heard was Chuck screaming as the hideous blob began feasting on his flesh. Within seconds, the screaming had stopped. A blood-covered hand grabbed the counter, pulling his body up into view. His lifeless eyes peeked over the edge of the counter at me. There was something different about the creature now. It seemed almost rabid in its movements. It was spasmodic and twitchy. It let out a wall-rattling roar as it leaped onto the counter and rushed towards me. I pulled my gun and fired two shots into the thing, but 
It wasn't phased. It kept coming. I reached for the flask of elixir, but it was too late. The homunculus grabbed me, slamming me into the wall, forcing me to drop it. Its grip tightened around my neck as it lifted me off the ground, growling. Its face shifted and contorted as it took the appearance of Thomas. It chuckled and released another cloud of gas. I gagged as bile rushed up my throat, partially from the gas but mostly from seeing that asshole's face again. Silly little thing, why are you here? It released me, sending my body crashing to the floor. Well, the second I hit the ground, I gasped for air and instantly regretted it. My body cramped up and I puked all over the floor. The homunculus reached down and swirled a finger around in the warm pool of vomit and then tasted it. Did you really think you could control me, meat thing? Somehow I managed to get my body to move. Reaching out and grabbing the flask, I popped the top off with my thumb. The instant the flask opened... The homunculus reacted by letting out a sound that nearly shattered my eardrums. I cringed, trying to cover my ears as the creature ran and slammed into the glass until it shattered, allowing it to escape into the darkness of the night. I could hear sirens in the distance. The cops would be here soon. I forced myself up off the floor and stumbled away from the gas station. The entire way back to the motel, I could hear that cicada-like sound echoing through the darkness. Something had changed. The homunculus was on its own path, and I needed to know why. When I got back to the motel, I started researching anything that could force the homunculus to ignore the blood bond. I read for hours, and then on the last page of the Book of the Crow, there was a small passage that read, Beware the Chimera's perfume. There was no way around it. I needed to get my hands on the Emerald Tablet. I called everyone I could think of, except one, Hermes, and they were all dead ends. I made that call. The phone rang for a while, and I honestly hoped he wouldn't answer. But he did. Mr. Allen, I've been expecting your call. How may I assist you this evening? His voice was like sandpaper on my brain. I just wanted to get the conversation over with. Look, I'm looking for the Emerald Tablet. Do you know where I can get it? He stayed silent for a moment and then... What? Yes, I do, but you're going to have to come to me to get it. The sound of thunder rumbled in the distance as the first few drops of rain started to fall. Josh stood outside his car at Pettisville Community Park, wondering how long this was going to take. A statuesque redhead jogged by, stopping in at a bench to tie her shoe. For a brief second, he could have sworn it was Allie. He put the thought out of his mind as he watched her jog away, disappearing into the park. <sighs> Great ass on that one, a man's voice chuckled from behind him. Josh turned around to see a short, heavy-set man with thinning grey hair. Oh, I didn't mean to startle you, he said, coughing into his hand before wiping it on his shirt and reaching out to shake. Josh stood there looking at him for a second before he finally withdrew his hand. Oh, you must be Josh. Hermes told me you'd be here. I believe I have something you need. Josh looked over the... Oh, come on! Josh looked the guy over before finally saying anything. 
So, you're the nameless one. Seriously, what's all that about? The old man chuckled and shook his head. <laughs> the man's... Come on! Oh, the name's Tim. I call myself that when I deal with Hermes because the guy's a bit of a creep and I prefer he doesn't know my real name. Josh shook his head slightly, laughing to himself, wishing he'd done the same. Anyway, Tim, can we get on with it? Uh, how much for the book? Tim smiled and nodded. Straight to the point, I like that. It's already been taken care of, pal. Meet me at eight, I'll be at Murphy's Bar in town. Do yourself a favor, though. Stay away from Hermes. Dude's real bad news. And with that, the old man turned and walked away, whistling some strange little tune. Well, there wasn't much in Pettisville, so finding the bar was pretty easy. Just got there a little early, ordered a drink, and took a seat in a corner booth facing the door. About halfway through his beer, Tim plopped down in the seat across from him, placing the book on the table. Here you go, pal. Hope it does you some good. Oh, God knows it didn't do shit for me. <laughs> Tim laughed, then ordered a couple of shots from the bar. If you don't mind me asking, what do you need this thing for? Josh finished off his beer, then took one of the shots and downed it before getting up from the table. None of your fucking business. Now, have a nice night. He took the book and headed for the door, dropping a twenty on the bar as he walked out. He hadn't been paying much attention, but when a horribly familiar stench wafted in on the breeze, he realized his head hadn't hurt since getting into town. The homunculus was here. Josh popped the lock and tossed the book on the front seat, looking around the empty street. Oh, shit, he muttered to himself, sliding into the driver's seat. Where the hell are you? He drove around town, hoping to spot any signs of the creature. If it was there, it had to be feeding, so all he had to do was figure out who the homunculus was pretending to be. He pulled off the road and took the flask of sunstone elixir from the glove box, then checked the pistol he kept under the seat. Before he could get back on the road, red and blue lights lit up the interior of his car as a patrol car pulled up behind him. Oh, great, he muttered to himself slowly, placing both hands on the steering wheel. Turn the car off and put your hands out the window, the officer ordered. Now open the door and step out facing away from me. Put your hands up and walk backwards towards the sound of my voice, then get down on your knees. Once Josh was cuffed up and placed in the police car, the officer began conducting a search of the car. It wasn't long before he found the flask and the gun. The officer came back and placed both items on the hood of the car, then got on the radio, but before he could finish the call, something came rushing out of the bushes and slammed into him. The impact rocked the car and sent both the pistol and the flask tumbling to the ground. The struggle only lasted a few seconds, and the gut-churning sound of tearing flesh and breaking bones cut through the silence. Josh panicked. He lay back on the seat and tried kicking out the windows. With each thud of his feet against the glass, he could feel his body starting to cramp up. That putrid smell was seeping through the vents, filling the car. Somewhere in the chaos, there was a moment where everything went still. Taking a deep breath, Josh mustered what little strength he had left and kicked the window one last time. Instead of shattering, it came off track and slid halfway down. Struggling for a few seconds, he managed to slide the cuffs underneath his legs and bring his hands up in front of him. 
The instant he sat up, the door was violently torn off, and he was yanked out of the car. The homunculus wasn't pretending to be human, instead its body was an amalgamation of deformities. Its skin was pale, nearly translucent, road mapped with thick, dark veins. It was almost spider-like. It walked on four oversized arms, using its hands for feet. It didn't have what you'd recognize as a face. Instead, its bulbous, misshapen body was covered with eyes and large, dagger-like teeth hung from its undercarriage. Well, this was insanity. The source had begun creating its own version of life. There was no getting it under control now. Josh scanned the area, hoping to lay eyes on the flask, but there wasn't enough time. He had to run. Getting to his feet, he sprinted toward the only light he could see. There was no way he could outrun that thing. It was on him almost instantly. With one swipe, it knocked him off his feet and sent him tumbling into the open field next to the road. Josh gasped for air and desperately tried to get back to his feet, but another bone-rattling blow sent him back to the ground. A low hissing sound filling the air as that all-too-familiar coppery funk made his tongue go numb and his eyes roll back into his skull. Sirens in the distance almost put a smile on his face just before his body convulsed and everything went black. Josh woke up a few hours later in the county jail. He was charged for the stolen rental car. The rental service reported it stolen when it wasn't returned on time. Possession of a firearm and... Last but not least, the murder of Officer Clark Landry. Needless to say, he spent the next several hours having the shit beat out of him by several highly motivated, very pissed-off police officers. And when they couldn't get a confession out of him, they left him in a battered heap on the floor of his cell. The next morning he was awakened by a voice he had hoped to never hear again. Hello, Mr. Allen. Hermes. Josh sat up and spat out a gob of his own blood on the floor. What are you doing here, Hermie? The creepy little man looked round Josh's cell, then narrowed his eyes and frowned. It's Hermes, Mr. Allen, and I'm here to make you an offer. I'll get you out of this little predicament of yours, and in return you'll give control of the homunculus to me. <laughs> Josh chuckled to himself. Look, I can't give you something I don't have. Besides, I'm in here for murder. You can't get me out of this one, Doc. Hermes checked his watch and smirked. Do we have a deal or not, Mr. Allen? I don't have time to argue the details. Well, it was a no-brainer. Sit in jail for murder or pretend to give this freak what he wanted and walk away a free man. Josh agreed. Fine, if you can get me out of this, you can have the damn thing. I just hope you know what you're getting yourself into. A smirk crept across Hermes' face. I'm glad to see you're a man of reason, Mr. Allen. Now let's get you out of here. He reached into his pocket and retrieved a small piece of folded tan paper, then slid it into Josh's cell. Unfold the parchment and place it on the back of your right hand. The unsettling little smirk on his face sent chills through Josh's body, but if it meant freedom, why not? The instant the parchment hit his skin, it dissolved into his flesh. A searing pain rushed up his arm as a glowing blue transmutation circle scorched itself into his skin. Hermes smiled and held up his right hand, revealing the exact same symbol on his palm. You're now bonded to me. This bond cannot be broken, 
If you run, you die. I stepped into the hallway and there was this loud clank as the cell door unlocked. There was no paperwork, no conversations. They simply walked out of the jail and got into a car that was waiting out front. Not a single officer so much as looked in their direction. Josh was blown away at just how simple it was, and the second the car door slammed, he just had to know. What the fuck's going on here? How did you pull that off? Hermie shook his head. As you'd say, Mr. Allen, none of your fucking business. He motioned to the driver. Take us home, please, Lucy. Josh glanced over at the driver and recognized her instantly. The goth girl. It hit him like a ton of bricks. They'd been watching this whole time. He scratched his chin, taking a deep breath and turning to look out of the window. So, what's the play here, Hermie? Who are you people? Some kind of fucked up cult? Bunch of rich people with a death fetish. Why do you want this thing so bad? Hermes cleared his throat and scowled. It's Hermes, Mr. Allen. Since you're in such a talkative move, let me ask you a question. Why didn't you get rid of the creature after it killed Eliza Stewart? Josh froze. How did he know that? Um, I don't know. He stumbled through his words. Shit got crazy. I wasn't able to control it. When it finished what I directed it to do, it tried to kill me. Hermes laughed. You still don't get it. The homunculus can't kill you. You're its only link to this world. But that won't stop it from hurting you or driving you crazy enough to kill yourself. Josh stayed quiet for the rest of the trip. After an hour or so, they arrived at a large house on the edge of town and exited the vehicle. Once inside, Josh was given fresh clothes and a hot meal. After that, he spent the next few hours wandering around the house. It was filled with strange paintings and large display cases that looked like something out of a museum. He stopped in front of a large display that only had one thing in it, a glass cylinder. Inside of the cylinder was something Josh knew all too well. It was a homunculus in its blob state. It was clearly dead, underdeveloped and misshapen, a failed attempt. Hermes' voice started him from behind. You know what really bothers me? A novice like yourself was able to accomplish what so many skilled practitioners could not. It's infuriating. I spent years attempting this and failed countless times. Yet here you are, nobody with the key to our future. The tone of his voice made Josh chuckle. Well, Hermie, I don't know what to tell you. Maybe I'm better than you. Maybe you just suck. Hermes frowned and let out a grunt as he turned to walk away. Come with me, Mr. Allen. It's time we get started. Over the next few days, Josh, along with Hermes, Lucy and Tim, searched Pettisville for any signs of the homunculus and came up empty until they reached a neighborhood development project run by a man named Pierce. According to him, several members of his crew had gone missing and there had been quite a few unexplained deaths since they began construction. But when he mentioned being contacted by Thomas Gentry, Josh knew they were in the right place. The second they were back in the car, Josh let the others know, but Hermes didn't seem all that surprised. According to him, they'd been watching Pierce for a while on a different issue, but it made complete sense the creature would be drawn there. 
Josh didn't bother asking for details. He didn't care. As long as this was about to be over, he was content. They made their plans and agreed to return that night to finish the job. The plan was simple. Hermes would take some of Josh's blood and mix it with the sunstone elixir, and then inject himself. Once that was done, a single syringe would be filled with the combined blood and injected into the homunculus. Since the creature couldn't kill him, he'd have to be the one to do the injection. I mean, the others, Tim and Lucy, would be well-armed and act as bait. Once the creature was injected, Hermes would break their bond and Josh would be free to go. The rest of the day flew by, and when the sun dropped, the hunt was on. Josh didn't like the idea of getting that close to the creature, and the fact that Hermes had never successfully birthed a homunculus was giving him serious doubts about the plan. Hey, Hermie, what makes you think this will work? I mean, your track record makes me feel like this is going to get us all killed. What makes you so sure? Hermes paused, clearly agitated, and took a deep breath. I'm afraid the details might be a bit too much for you, Mr. Allen. Just know my technique is second to none. Josh nodded his head, looking over at Tim and Lucy, who were strapping on riot gear and loading assault rifles. Just so we're clear, Hermie. No matter what happens, once I've done my part, I am out. Hermie smiled to himself. Well, believe me, Mr. Allen, I'm counting the minutes. They arrived at the construction site a few hours after sundown. The overpowering stench of urine and copper again made it obvious the creature was there. But where? There were a lot of houses to check. Most were still under construction, but there were at least one or two homes on each street that were possibly occupied. They'd have to check them all. They strapped on their respirators and headed for the first house. The second they stepped into the front yard, things went wrong. There was a woman sitting on a porch swing, humming a little tune as she gently swayed back and forth. The instant she locked eyes on Josh, she jolted to her feet and let out a scream before charging off the porch. Tim was in front and let off a quick burst from his AR-15, dropping her but not stopping her. The second she hit the ground, her body convulsed as her bones exploded beneath her skin, tearing through flesh that was peeling away in bloody layers as screams became roars. Lucy rushed over and pumped a few more rounds into her, but it was too late. The alarm had been given. More were on the way. Hermes walked over and knelt down to inspect the replica. Absolutely amazing. You must share your secret with me, Mr. Allen. What you've done here is godlike. You, sir, have a true gift. Even through the mask, he sounded impressed. Tim and Lucy, on the other hand, weren't so enthusiastic about the situation. We need to get out of the open, Tim barked, as more figures approached from the far end of the street. Skinless, humanoid things emerged from the darkness, screaming as they ran full speed towards the group. What the fuck are those? Lucy yelled out as she opened fire on the incoming wave of replicas. Meanwhile, Hermes calmly strolled across the front lawn and vanished into the house. Josh slowly backed away, with Tim and Lucy distracted and Hermes undoubtedly hiding somewhere in that house. This was the perfect time to get out of there. He turned and bolted for the car. Between the bursts of gunfire, he heard Lucy yelling, Shit! He's running! Get back here, you asshole! 
Ignoring the thought of getting shot in the back, Josh picked up his pace and sprinted towards the road they'd come in from. For a second, he really thought it would work, until a searing pain surged up his right arm, and every muscle in his body contracted, and he face-planted into the concrete. Josh grunted through clenched teeth and tried to move, but he couldn't. All he could do was lay there, listening to the sound of Lucy and Tim catching up to him. You owe me twenty bucks, sucker. I told you he'd run. Lucy jogged over to Josh and looked down at him. You really are a fucking scumbag, aren't you? She dug in his pocket, put out a twenty and handed it to Tim. Now help me get him to his feet so we can get back to Hermes. Once they were inside the house, Josh's body returned to normal. Tim and Lucy had taken up positions, one watching the street and the other watching the back of the house. Hermes was pacing the floor excitedly. This is incredible. Fully functioning replicants. The source buddy must be magnificent. You must tell me, Mr. Allen, how were you able to accomplish this? Josh closed his eyes, rubbed his face, and chuckled to himself. <laughs> I followed the instructions. It's that simple, Hermes. No secret. I did exactly what I was told to. Step for step, and it worked. The end. I mean, <laughs> I don't know what you're waiting to hear. That look of excitement was replaced by anger. Hermes stopped pacing and held up his right hand, making a fist. Pain surged through Josh's body as a wicked smirk formed on Hermes's face. You will tell me what I want to know, or you'll die in this place, Mr. Allen. Now, tell me. Well, he was nearly foaming at the mouth. Hermes then released his grip and stepped back as Josh collapsed to the floor. Sooner or later, the homunculus will run out of clones, and the sauce buddy will come for you. When it does, I'll be waiting. Well, Josh laughed through the pain. <laughs> Bullets only work for replicants, dumbass. What do you think's going to happen when it gets here? Hermes smirked and turned on his heels. Well, that, Mr. Allen, is my little secret. Tim interrupted from the window. Does anyone else hear that? The room went silent for a few seconds, and somewhere in the distance they all heard it. A baby crying. Shit, Josh muttered as he scrambled up from the floor. Get away from the windows, he shouted just before Lucy chimed in from her post near the kitchen. I got movement over here. Multiple targets moving fast. Holy shit, are those babies? Lucy was cut short by hundreds of black barbed quills tearing through the house. Oh, she screamed in agony as the quills shredded her body armor and lodged in her flesh. The tip of each quill was leaking a thick, acidic liquid that was now being pumped into her by the dozen or so spikes that were sticking out of her body. Lucy gurgled and stumbled into the main room with everyone else. Her skin was turning purple as massive blisters rapidly erupted all over her body, spewing blood and pus. She gasped for air one last time before dropping to her knees and going silent. Distorted, childlike cries reverberated through the house as dozens of scouts poured in through the shattered windows. The scouts were about the size of a full-grown German shepherd, with the head of a human infant and the body covered in two-foot-long barbed quills. They walked on all fours, but had well-defined arms and legs. A childlike face peeped around the doorframe and let out a screech as more of them rushed into the room and piled onto Lucy's body. 
him open fire, and the reaction was instant. In the blink of an eye, dozens of poisonous squirrels ripped through the room when the scouts exploded. Josh dove for cover behind a couch, but Hermes and Tim were standing in the center of the room. They both crumbled to the floor, screaming. Josh himself had been struck by two quills. One was sticking out just below his right hip, and the other had torn into his left calf. Fuck, he yelled, ripping out the first quill from his upper leg, tearing out a nice chunk of flesh in the process. The wound pulsed and throbbed as a warm sensation rolled through his body, and the pain faded. The childlike squeals and wet cracking of bone drifted into the background. The sound of Tim gurgling and gasping for air and Hermes laughing hysterically echoed through the room. He sat up and almost effortlessly removed the second quill. Then using the back of the couch, Josh pulled himself onto his feet. The scouts were gone. There was a trail of blood leading out the back door. Tim was covered in weeping blisters. A large section of his face had melted away and there were seven or eight quills sticking out of his body, but... Somehow he was still breathing. Hermes stopped laughing the second he saw Josh standing. There were quills dug into his flesh, and yet he seemed almost calm as that strange little smirk crept back to his face. Josh glanced down in time to see the muzzle flash from a pistol gripped in Hermes's hand. His head snapped back as bits of his brain and skull splattered across the wall. Hermes dropped the pistol in his lap and laughed as Josh's lifeless body crashed to the floor. Hermes tilted his head back and chuckled to himself, as a low hissing sound filled the room. He jolted upright, wincing in pain. The overpowering stench of copper and urine filled his lungs. He coughed and gagged, retching from the bile rushing up the back of his throat. His body seized so violently he bit through his own tongue and soiled himself before grinding his teeth until they shattered. Festering blisters rolled across his skin like ripples through water. Hermes screamed, praying the world would go black, but it didn't. From somewhere behind him a door creaked open and a naked woman walked into the house. She had long red hair and pale slick skin. She crossed the room silently and stopped, standing over Josh's body for a second before turning to Hermes. She slowly walked over to Hermes, knelt in close and whispered into his ear, her voice a low, guttural growl. I'm so hungry. So then, the homunculus. Now I'm sure there's going to be a raging debate in the comments section about my pronunciation of that word. And you know what? I don't care. I did actually look it up online, and as far as every source I could find would tell me, I pronounced it correctly, but it didn't quite sound right to me, to be honest. So if you have a different pronunciation, and you didn't like the way I pronounced it, duh, I don't care. Yeah, <laughs> do whatever you want. But anyway, interesting story there. Went a bit nuts at the end. Well, it went a bit nuts right from the start, to be honest, didn't it? But I really enjoyed reading that one for you. Hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Oof. Another long one for you for the midweek. 
Oh, bit of a breather tomorrow, but I'll be back again on Friday. Till then, very, very sweet dreams, my dear friends, and bye-bye. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this story today. Really means a lot to me and to the author of the story, of course. Well, if you want to know more about me, I'm pretty much everywhere on social media. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can download my music on SoundCloud. Um, I've got a Patreon if you feel like. Throw me a dollar or two. Very much appreciated. And of course, on Reddit, I have a place where you can leave stories if you want me to read one that you've written. Well, hoping to see you all again very soon. Till then, sweet dreams, and bye-bye.